But if you'll turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 13, I, I did try to go away from this and I just, just felt compelled and pressed to continue in this series as we are talking about evangelism and missions. And today we want to just think for a few moments on being on mission, on mission. Uh, as you're turning there, we're going to look in chapter 13, verses 4 through 12 today. Hudson Taylor, a British Protestant missionary who spent 51 years as a missionary to China, he once said, God's work done in God's way will never lack supply. If we will do God's work the way God wants us to do, then there will always be God's work to be done. There will be a great supply of it. Now, this scares some of us. This scares some of us to think that, well, if we do God's work God's way, we're going to find ourselves hurt. We're going to find ourselves in trouble. We're going to find ourselves in a place to where people are just going to reject us time and time again. Well, as we look in this passage today, we're going to find that, that we can trust God if we would do God's work God's way. The Bible says in Acts 13, beginning with verse 4, So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues to the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. Now this is John Mark, who we believe to be the writer who interpreted Peter's message in which we have Mark's gospel. Um, the Bible goes on to say, Now when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew by, whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man, this man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the sorcerer, or whose name is translated, this is the same Bar-Jesus, he withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. And then Saul, who is also called Paul, and it's at this point that Saul becomes Paul throughout the readings in Acts. Filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, Oh, full of all deceit, all fraud, you, son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, Will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done. Being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. This is God's word. God, we come before you thanking you 
for your word. Thank you for the message that we see in this passage, God. And we pray that you would help us today. Help to encourage us. Help to enlighten us, God. Help those who may not know you as Lord and Savior through your son, Jesus Christ. God, we pray that today that you would speak to their hearts and that today would be a day that they cry out, what must I do to be saved? God, we know that you're on your throne and we know that you're looking down with grace, love, and mercy. But God, we also know that if we leave this world without your son, Jesus, as our Lord and Savior, that you are a God of judgment. So now, God, be with us this day. Speak to our hearts, and we'll praise you for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, last week, as we looked in chapter 13, we focused on those first three verses. In these verses, we noticed last week an ordination that took place that became a commissioning service. Uh, it was a commissioning service for Barnabas and Saul who were chosen for vocational missions. Now, Barnabas and Saul, they were sent out by the Holy Spirit. These men were not taking a leap on their own. They were not chasing a pipe dream. They were not following their own emotions. They were not going because the church sent them out. And believe it or not, they were not going because they had chosen missions as a profession. They were embarking on this missionary journey because they had been chosen by the Holy Spirit. And they were commissioned by the Holy Spirit. That's right. The Holy Spirit of God had not only called Barnabas and Saul. For specifically the mission field, but he sent them out into the mission field. We have to be very careful as we look at men and women who find themselves in vocational ministry. We have to, I'm going to put this plug in and we're going to move on. We have to be very careful thinking or even stating that we've chose this. I want to assure you, I didn't choose this. God chose me. I don't know why you chose me. I didn't deserve to be chosen. I didn't even want to be chosen for this ministry. I thought my life was laid out well, but God chose me. <laughs> we have to be very careful when God chooses people. It's not. It's not that they wanted a easier life, because I assure you, I put in more hours now than I did when I was doing line work. And I have a different kind of stress level than I did when I was doing line work. So it's, we've got to be very careful when we see vocational ministry that we see it as God's calling rather than man's. And I understand there are, there are goats among the sheep. I get that. There are those who have called themselves. There are those who have had pastors call them for them. There are those whose families encouraged them and they just stepped out. But I want to assure you, I want to assure you, a man who's called by God, we better keep our hands off of him. Because <laughs> if we try to touch him, God will deal with us. I, I've got to be very careful that I'm not passing judgment when I hear of someone else. 
Because then God will deal with me also. Now, we're going to move on. Here, what these guys were doing, they were embarking on this journey because of the Holy Spirit. Well, and what we will find in this passage is that if we will not challenge the Holy Spirit, but instead trust the leadership of the Holy Spirit, there will be people who are open to the Word of God. Now, when we look at this here, we see Barnabas and Saul, they took their commission serious. Following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, they went down to Cilicia, and it's right here in the text. They, and from there, they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived in Salamis, they went to the synagogue of the Jews. They began to preach the word of God. Barnabas and Saul set out preaching in several areas of Cyprus. And when they arrived in the city of Paphos, they seeking to continue preaching the word of God, they encountered there a sorcerer. They encountered a false prophet who was a Jew by the name of Bar-Jesus. This false prophet or false teacher, he was accompanying a Roman proconsul by the name of Sergius Paulus. Paulus was known to be an intelligent man. As a matter of fact, being a Roman proconsul, he was a high-ranking official and he was a man of power and a man of influence. And being an intelligent man, Paulus was not a man controlled by his emotions. I want to assure you, if we are controlled by everything we do by our emotions, then we are not intelligent people. Here, this, this man, the Bible declares he was an intelligent man, so he was one who, who rationed things out. He was the one who found reason for things to take place. Now, it's awfully easy to question that. He was walking around and he was dealing with and he was confiding in and he was spending time with a sorcerer. And we may think a man who is spending time with a sorcerer can't be too intelligent. Well, what it, what it appears here is that Paulus was seeking to find some truth. Apparently, he wasn't truly convinced or satisfied with what he was hearing from this sorcerer, Bar-Jesus. So here, Barnabas and Saul, he wanted them to speak to him. He wanted to hear them share the word of God. Folks, I've come to understand this. Now here, we're talking about a setting where there were... Where a man's walking around with his sorcerer and now he wants to hear from the word of God. I understand that following the leadership of the Holy Spirit is not always easy. And when we find that following the leadership of the Holy Spirit can be difficult, it's often due that we're trying to follow him by sight rather than by faith. Stay with me right here. Here when Barnabas and Saul encountered this false prophet accompanying a rather important man in the city, often what we would have done was chalk this person up to being someone who wasn't interested in what we had to say. Come on, somebody better needs to hear exactly what I'm saying. We won't go to those people who are going to soothsayers. We won't go to those people who are going to sorcerers. We won't go to those people who are going to palm readers because we feel like we've already lost them. But I want to assure you they're seeking something. They're seeking a truth that you and I have and those are the very people we should be going toward. Here due to what we perceive Due to what we can only see, 
we fail to see the hunger for the truth that a person may actually have. Here in 2 Timothy 4 and 2, the Bible says to us, preach the word, be ready, in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort, and uh, with all long suffering and teaching. In other words, just share the gospel with whoever we come in contact with. When it's easy, share the gospel. When it's hard, share the gospel. When God is telling us to, to, to share it with this person, share the gospel. When we encounter someone who don't know the Lord, no matter what direction their life is going, just share the gospel. Because Romans 10 and 14 tells us, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Until, unless someone is sharing the gospel, your loved ones, my loved ones, Folks that we know that we work with or that we live with, our neighbors in our, in our communities will not respond. They will not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior till they've heard the gospel. People are starving for the truth. Why do you think people visit sorcerers, palm readers, soothsayers? They visit them because they're searching. They're searching for answers to all that this life is thrown at them. And folks, they are looking for answers. And if we know the truth, and just in case you've forgotten, the truth is Jesus Christ. If we know him as our Lord and Savior, then we must stop walking by sight and start walking by faith. And if the Holy Spirit is leading us, he's not leading us to failure, but he's leading us to those who are searching for him. I don't know if you thought much about this, but I'm just not convinced with the excuse that's often given for attendance in churches dropping. What I've always heard is that people just don't want to hear the word of God anymore. I can assure you that this is a lie straight from the pits of hell. People want to hear the truth. Folks, I, I don't know a whole lot, and I certainly don't have all the answers. But what I'm sure of is God is a God of order. And he would not be calling men and women to the mission field. He would not be calling men to the pastor. He would not be calling men and women to teach the word of God. He would not be calling men and women to chaplaincy and, and mil in the military and hospitals and, co and corporations and hospice houses. And he would not be calling men and women to evangelism if he did not, if people did not want to hear the word of God. We must be present and we must represent the truth of God's word because there are people who are open to the word of God. I realize I can't win everybody. I realize Reedy Branch won't win everybody. As a matter of fact, Reedy Branch is not a church for everybody. I understand that. And for pastors and and ministers like myself, we must come to acknowledge that, that maybe, maybe we need to do an inventory of ourselves and inventory of our own ministries because if the churches are dropping in attendance, maybe it has something to do with the way we're presenting the gospel, either from the pulpit or with our lives out in the community. 
We're human. We're flesh. And not just because someone don't want to listen to me. That has nothing to do with, with them not wanting to hear the gospel. Maybe it's something in, in my life. Or maybe it's the way I present the gospel. You know, Preacher Mike says it's awfully hard to convince someone of the love of Jesus when you're preaching to them about the love and the mercy of Jesus and you look as angry as you could possibly look while you're preaching it. <laughs> and and I, I understand the, the thought in that. It makes sense to me. How can you convince someone that God loves you when you're looking at them like, man, man if I don't serve him, he's going to kill me. No, he'll let us destroy ourselves. Here we find there are people, and this passage helps us to see there are people who are open to the word of God. But now we must keep in mind, we can be certain that wherever there's people who are open to the word of God, there are just as many people who are in opposition to the word of God. Here, as Barnabas and Saul were about to share the word of God with the proconsul Elimus or the sorcerer or Bar-Jesus, Bar whichever you want to call him, for the rest of this message, I'm going to call him the sorcerer. I can say that word easier. Uh, he withstood them. In other words, he stood against the preaching of the word of God. And when we stand against God's word, we're standing against Jesus Christ. And for we know that Jesus Christ is the very word of God made flesh. John 1 and 14 tells us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory and glory of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth. But Jesus was not just uh, the word made flesh. He was also God in flesh. John 1, 1, and 1 through 4 tells us in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him or through him. And without him, nothing that was made was made. In him, life and the life was the light of men. If when we look at Jesus, we see the father. As a matter of fact, Jesus states that in John 10 and 30, where he says, I and my father are one. When we, when Mary looked into the face of baby Jesus, she was looking into the very face of God almighty. And we have to understand when we oppose the word of God, we're not only opposing Jesus Christ, but we're opposing God. To be in opposition of the word is to be in opposition of God. And this sorcerer was in such opposition of God's word. It appears that he was trying his best to keep the proconsul from turning to Christ. You know, we've heard the old saying, the blind is leading the blind. And this is what's taking place. The proconsul was blind, seeking light. However, he was keeping company with the sorcerer who was blind and just didn't know how blind he was. So Saul steps in and he reveals to the sorcerer just how blind he really was. To stand against the word of God is to put your own word before God's. It's to put yourself before God himself. And to do this will bring judgment upon yourself. Saul confronts the sorcerer by exposing his sin. He shares that he was full of deceit. He was a fraud. He goes on to say that he was the son of the devil and that he was an enemy of the righteous 
religious and that he was perverting the truth of God. This leads us to think because he's a Jew that he, he believed in the Jewish way of life, but he also believed in some other things. And you know there are some ministers today, there are some preachers today uh, that, that believe in Jesus Christ as the Lord, as Lord and Savior. They believe this to be God's holy word, but they also believe that there's more outside of the word of God about God that they can get. And I want to assure you, if it's not found in the word of God, there's no more of God that he's revealed for us to know about himself. And when we get to heaven, we're going to know a little bit more than this. But until then, this is God's revelation to us. There are false teaching all around us. And here Saul is confronted this man and and he tells him, after exposing his sin, being filled with the Holy Spirit, he pronounces judgment upon this sorcerer. Now, Saul is not judging him, but the Holy Spirit is judging him. It's not Saul that's declaring what's going to happen. It's the Holy Spirit working through Saul to tell him what's going to happen. Have you ever been with that person who was just blunt? And they said something that you really knew was true, but you just don't know how in the world they said it. You're wondering, man, how did they actually stand face to face with them and confront them and tell them the truth? Well, if they were telling the truth, it's probably by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a preacher friend of mine. He's got a, he's got a knack for this. He's got a knack for being direct. And he, he's very, he, he's one more direct than I am. I'm not as direct as I probably should be, but I'm, I'm, I'm more direct than I used to be. I, I'm learning that if I don't, if I don't care enough about you to be honest and to be truthful with you or anyone else I come in contact with as, as it refers to sin and the word of God, then I'm no good. I'm no good to preach the word of God. I'm no good to teach the word of God. I'm no good to counsel the word of God. And, it, and so we must learn to be direct. We must learn to be, and we can only be that way through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we're being like that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're not being mean. We're being loving. Too often we get filled with ourselves and we become direct because it might be our nature. And we just mean about it. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit's never going to be mean about it. Here, he pronounces judgment against this sorcerer. This sorcerer would become blind, not seeing the sun for some time. And immediately, as soon as Paul gets it out of his mouth, or Saul gets it out of his mouth, a dark mist fell upon him. And he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Now keep in mind, this was not an act of Saul. This was done by the hand of the Lord. It was God and his power that executed this judgment. And this man, he lived a life blind to truth. He did his best to deceive others, to keep them blind to the truth. So because he was so determined to live his life in the dark, God granted him a life of darkness. A life so dark that he needed someone else to lead him around. Listen, unsaved. God loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son to die in your place. So that if you would believe in Jesus Christ then you could have everlasting life.
He loved you so much that he made this available to you. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 9 and 27 that it's appointed for men to die once and after this the judgment. How you live on earth and how you die in this life will determine your judgment. For those who've received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we will stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ and we will receive the reward for our deeds that are done here on earth. But for those of you who come to a service such as this who experienced the Holy Spirit of God convicting you and what I mean is he's revealing to you in the midst of the service whether it's in the singing whether it's in the invitation whether it's in the preaching whether it's in the prayer time at some point of the scripture or of the service he, he's revealing to you that, that you're unsaved that you're lost and you're in need of a savior and you come in opposition to God then you may just find yourself living an eternity in darkness To walk out rejecting Christ is standing in opposition to God. It's standing in opposition to the word of God. It's standing in opposition to Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his return. You're standing in opposition to the truth of the light of the world. And if you leave this world in this opposition, you will experience darkness for all eternity. I'm not saying that on my authority, based on the authority of the word of God. But you don't have to choose darkness. Instead, you can choose obedience to the word of God. The proconsul witnessed the power of God and the judgment of God. But not only did he witness the power of God and the judgment of God, he listened to the truth of God's word and he was astonished. You know, I, when I read this in verse 12 saying, then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. What astonished him was the word of God. What took place convicted him that if he didn't change his life, he may be right facing the same judgment as that, as that sorcerer. But what he was astonished by was the word of God. You know why? The word of God gave him hope. The word of God gave him light. The word of God gave him a savior that he could call out to. This man being an intelligent man. Let's remember that. That's what scripture declares him to be. He wasn't moved by the emotion of what had took place. But once Barnabas and Saul taught him the truth. He was able to reason what he had witnessed. And he believed. The world is wanting to tell us that reasonably intelligent free thinking people. Will not fall prey to religion. <laughs> I'm not asking anyone to fall prey to religion. I'm asking you to exercise faith in the truth of God's word and obey his word. The songwriter said we must trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. 
This isn't about religion. In fact, it isn't about intelligence. This is about life or death. It's about obeying the word of God. And if the Holy Spirit is leading us to share the word of God with those who are facing death, God has prepared their hearts to be open to his word. While God is opening hearts to his word, the enemy is coming at us with opposition to his word. But we can rest assured God is greater than our enemy. The Bible tells us in 1 John 4 and 4, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He's no match for our God. He's no match for the word of God. And we know this because when Jesus was in a desert for 40 days and 40 nights, no food, nothing to drink, in a weakened state of his flesh, Satan appeared. Satan didn't come day one or day two. Satan didn't come when his flesh still had strength. He come at the weakest point of his life. And he was defeated simply by the word of God. He's no match for our God. He's no match for our Savior. He's no match for God's word. So we, why? Why not? Why not obey his word? Today, unsaved, are you open? Are you open to the word of God? Or are you going to continue to stand in opposition to the word of God? Today, will you believe Jesus is the son of God? Today, will you confess your sins to him and receive him as your Lord and Savior? Today, will you follow in obedience? Or will you leave this place in opposition? The choice is yours. I wished I could make it for you, but I can't. I wished I could. I wish I could stand for you, but I can't. When it comes to salvation, we will all stand on our own. Well, preacher, you don't know what Christian has hurt me. It won't matter. That Christian won't stand for you. You will stand for yourself. You don't know how the church has hurt my family. It won't matter. The church won't stand for you. And you won't stand for the church. But you'll stand for yourself. So will you stand in opposition? Or will you stand in obedience? The choice is yours. With every head bowed, every eye closed, as Brother Ronald begins to sing this song. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, why not today simply choose to stand with Him? Why not today choose to be open and to obey the Word of God? It's your choice. Would you today?